Everyone is, is searching for meaning. Everyone is searching for significance and purpose, to be known, to be loved. Matthew chapter 2 is a story of searching, searching for answers, searching for truth, searching for the promised king. Now, some in this chapter are willing to give up everything in order to find this promised king, while others are threatened in every way. And so look, the repeated announcement around the Christmas story in Scripture is this. Don't be afraid. God's promised king is, is here at last. Now, people have been searching and responding to the promised king ever since. So let's read Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. We'll join the individuals in this chapter on their search. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ, this king, was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Searching for the promised king. You know, as a child, I was fascinated by the three wise men. They were always my favorite in the nativity scene. Finely dressed, holding extraordinary treasure, having traveled from a distant land, eager to see Jesus. What I didn't realize as a child is that they weren't actually there at the nativity scene it, it, when he was born. They would arrive a couple years later so go ahead, when you go home, just throw out the little figurines that are around. Just throw them out. Those, those three wise men, they don't belong there. Set them up in a couple years. I don't know. When these wise men, or magi, arrived, we, we realized that they were carrying with them gifts. They were only fit for a king. These men were searching for the promised king. Who were these wise men? Part astronomer, astrologer, scientist, royal court official, counselor. They were a respected position. We don't know how many there were. They were from the east, maybe Persia or Babylon. When they arrive in Jerusalem, they go to the place that they would expect royalty to be born, to the courts of King Herod. Where is he, they say. 
Where is the one born? King of the Jews. It's as if they expected everyone to be celebrating the arrival of this long foretold king of the Jews. They say, look, we, we saw his star when it rose. What's, what's going on here? This is a significant astronomical observation that was made on their part. Was, was this the alignment of planets? Was, was this a comet? Was it a supernatural occurrence? We're told it was a star. The wise men would have been influenced by Jewish scripture. We, we don't know exactly how the wise men ended up calculating everything that would eventually lead them to Jesus, but they did. In, in Numbers 24, verse 17, it says, a star, a great light will come out of Jacob, out of Israel. A scepter, signifying rule, will rise out of Israel. So they were students of scripture. And they were also studying the night sky. They searched the Jewish scriptures. They noticed strange events happening in the stars and searched out its meaning. There's a lot of mystery surrounding the wise men, the magi. Now, if you go downtown St. Pete and you see uh, the, the nativity scene that's there, these are life-size figurines. And uh, I think one of the magi is missing some fingers. They broke off. And so it adds to the mystery. I think he's standing here like 007 over Jesus, and he's got his gift. It's, it just adds to the mystery. These wise men, they, they planned a long journey, over 900 miles. We're talking time. We're talking money. We're talking sacrifice, risk to their own safety, but it was all worth it to them. Can you remember a time in your life when you went searching for answers, for truth? Maybe that's you this evening. You're searching. That's why you're here. You've come to hear about Jesus. You've come to investigate the claims of Jesus yourself. Or maybe you're here because you're invited and you're kind of dragging your feet. You know, some would argue that you can't be certain about anything. They say, how can you know anything is true? And they're certain about it. <laughs> Cynicism, speculation, it rules the day here in our culture. Maybe that's where you are. The wise men here in Matthew 2 have been searching for the promised king. And they are clear about uh, their intentions. They, they, they tell Herod, we've come to worship him. We've come to bring him honor, to show him reverence. They've come to bow before him. Well, so we see individuals who are searching for the promised king. Well, second, we see an individual who's threatened by the promised king, and that's Herod. Now, Herod is the official king of the Jews. Herod is the great, the great king, Herod. But really, he's a cruel, paranoid, unpredictable egomaniac. He killed his first wife. Uh, he killed a couple of his sons. Really good guy here. Uh, historians will, will go on to record that he was afraid of being attacked from the east, so he built a series of fortresses along the east border, and now wise men are coming from the east. I'm sure they had an entourage with them. I'm sure they had military escort with them. Just kind of stirred up the paranoia, I'm sure, in, the, in Herod. And it says in verse 3 that Herod is deeply troubled. He is distressed. He's distraught. In his paranoid frenzy, he calls his chief priests and teachers of the law together and asks, where is this promised king supposed to be born? He inquired. The implication is Herod 
questions his, his counsel repeatedly. Like, come on, tell me where this king was supposed to be born. He wants to know his location. And they tell him, the prophets say, he's to be born in Bethlehem. This is the birthplace of King David. Once Herod discovers where this would-be king is located, he acts as if he too wants to worship the king. But his words are filled with deceit and murder. Later in the chapter, verse 16, we'll find that he is furious with rage. And he goes on to have all the boys in Bethlehem, two and under, murdered. Brutal. Horrific. The story of Jesus' birth, his coming, his entering space and time, his taking on the stuff we're made of, it's surrounded with drama. He steps into the drama of the brokenness of this world. What Herod wants to do is control the situation. Why? Because Jesus is a threat to Herod. Jesus is a threat. What was Herod afraid of losing? power, control. He was afraid that this king would overthrow his kingdom. Third, and finally, responding to the promised king. I want to back up, and I want us to see where this is all coming from. We heard it read earlier. Matt read about it in Matthew chapter 1. The birth of Jesus took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is what happened before the wise men arrive. Now, let me just explain what's going on here. Marriage customs in New Testament times, it was a two-stage process. And so engagement, you had engagement, you had the wedding. And so engagement was a legally binding contract. It was a formal agreement made before witnesses. It could only be broken by divorce. And so the natural conclusion was that Mary was unfaithful to Joseph. She had committed adultery. I mean, she was pregnant. So Joseph had two choices. Make it known publicly where she would be the center of ridicule and disgrace or divorce her quietly among two or three witnesses. And that's what he decides to do. That is until an angel encounters him, really confronts him in a dream. Before he could go through with the divorce, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, look, Joseph, son of David, he reminds Joseph both of his heritage in the line of King David and of the promise to David that there would always be an heir on the throne. He says, don't be afraid. Don't go through with your plans. She will give birth to a son, and you, Joseph, will give him the name Jesus, which means Yahweh saves, because he will save his people from their sins. 
Then in, in chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, Matthew is telling us, the, the author of this gospel, he's telling us, look, God's promised king is here at last. Everything the prophets of old have been shouting for centuries is coming true. And when Joseph woke up, he determined never to eat tacos that late at night again. <laughs> Ever. No, that's not what happened. How did Joseph respond to this dream? He responded to this encounter with the angel of the Lord with faith and obedience. He responded with acceptance and submission. Oh, this must have taken so much courage on Joseph's part. We know he was a just man. We know he was a, a good man, a faithful man. He's also a courageous man. It meant everyone would assume that he impregnated Mary. He'd put himself in the line of fire. Imagine the ridicule and the scorn, the looks that they received. It also meant that he would be the adoptive father of a son, an heir to the throne of David. And so he responds with acceptance and submission. I'm sure with a lot of qu questions still, but with faith and obedience. Let's, let's go back to the wise men. In, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, how do the wise men respond? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, the scripture tells us. You know that feeling after a long journey when you finally arrive at your intended destination and how good you feel? You're stretching your legs, you get the luggage, or you have your kids get the luggage, you get out, you're like, we're here, finally. Here's what they do. They find the house where Jesus is, and, and, and they, they enter. I mean, imagine them just approaching the door, the star, like, like a spotlight shining down, like he's here. And as, as they, they've been traveling all this time, they finally make their way to the door. I'm sure their hearts were beating so fast. And, and in verse 11, we're told how they respond. They bowed down and they worshiped. These men are so moved by what they encounter, they bowed down. This is reverence and awe. This is sacrifice and honor. They bring treasures fit for a king. Now, what did they know about Jesus' mission to go on to lay down his life, not only for Israel, but for the world? To provide a way for all nations, all people everywhere to be reconciled to God to stand in our place as a substitute, both in his perfect obedience to the Father and his substitutionary death on the cross, becoming sin for us, taking our sin upon himself so that we could know forgiveness and reconciliation. What did they know about that? I'm, I'm not sure, but they were moved by what they did know. They were humbled by what they did know. And these men, these, these wise men, from, from the east, these foreigners, they represent the nations. We could say they represent us. Maybe that's why I've been so drawn to them. They're searching, and they sacrifice everything in order to bow before this king, this promised king. All of this begs a question. As we read this story, it, it's just it's coming at us. I mean, do you hear it? What about you? You know how... Joseph has responded with faith and obedience, with acceptance and submission, and it took courage. You, you see how the wise men have responded with awe and reverence, bowing in worship before Jesus. How are you responding? I mean, that's, that's the question falling off the pages of Scripture here in this story. How are we responding? 
Are you threatened like Herod? Are you searching like the wise men? Are you wanting to shut it down like Herod? Are you afraid of what it will cost you? There's this beautiful story that Jesus tells us in Matthew 13, verse 44. It's one of my favorite. He explains the kingdom of heaven or what it means to live under his rule this way. A man was out in the field and uh, he was working the field. And as he was working the field, he discovered treasure. A treasure so valuable, he went and sold everything he owned so he could purchase the field. That's the way Jesus describes, and he did it with joy. He sold everything he had with great joy so he could have the field. This is how Jesus describes living under his good and perfect rule, submitting our lives to him. You see, the person in, in, in the parable that Jesus told understood the value of the treasure. He knew what he was doing. Everyone around him might have thought, man, you're crazy. What are you doing selling all your possessions so you can have this field? They didn't understand what was in the field, but he did. It's a beautiful story. It's one that I carry with me. It's one I think about a lot. Do I understand the value? Am I growing in my understanding of the value of what it means to live under the rule of Jesus? A good and gracious and loving rule. It's what I was made for. When we talk about responding to this story, this Christmas story, responding to Jesus, I'm not talking about a one and done response. It It begins somewhere. I'm talking about a whole life response that begins with faith and repentance. It's saying, I'm not going to live for myself. I'm looking to King Jesus. I'm tired of the little kingdom I've built. I'm looking to the one who rules and reigns over all. And maybe I've been afraid of losing my little kingdom, but maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe holding on to this actually isn't everything that I thought it was. And maybe when I hold on to who Christ is, I gain so much more, and that's exactly the gospel, the good news of Jesus. He's come to set us free. It's a gospel, a a good news of joy for all people, that we can be forgiven our sin, reconciled with the living God, brought into a living, breathing relationship with him by faith in Jesus, and go on to live with purpose and significance, meaning it's breathtaking. It's what Christmas is about. Everyone is searching for meaning. Everyone is looking to be known and to be loved. And we've heard the repeated announcement here, don't be afraid. God's promised king is here at last. And this is a time to center our lives or to recenter our lives on Jesus, to bow our lives before him. Meaning and significance and purpose is wrapped up in who he is and what he's accomplished for you and I. As, as we close, do you see Christmas as simply just another story next to the story of Santa Claus? Or do you, do you, do you see it as this historical event of God breaking into space and time to do something about our brokenness, to rescue us out of our sin and shame? And if you do, what's that doing to you? How is that moving you? How is that shaping you? We're invited to come out from under the false hopes and the empty promises that this world has to offer. We are invited to come out from under the fear that Jesus is a threat and to rest in the goodness that he is our rescue. 
We're invited to come out from under the fear that we are alone or forgotten. And we're invited to celebrate the wonder and the mercy of God's loving grace expressed to us through Jesus. That's what we're doing here tonight. Look, I want to invite you. I'd be foolish not to. I want to invite you to place your faith and trust in Jesus if you have not. And let this Christmas be one that you'll always remember as the Christmas that, that, that Christ actually got a hold of you. And as, as you're seeking, what you, what you realize is that Jesus' mission, it tells us that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's all of us. So as we're seeking truth, as we're looking for meaning and purpose, what we find is that Jesus is actually seeking us. How will you respond? Respond like Joseph. Let's all of us respond like Joseph with submission, with courage, with faith, obedience. Let's respond like the wise men with awe and worship. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for this evening. What a privilege it is to gather with friends, so many new friends. Lord, I pray, Lord, as we go on to celebrate, wherever we're going with family and friends, that we would move forward in the next 24 hours just mindful of your pursuit of us in your son Jesus, humbled by it. Lord, wake us up to the beauty and to the reality of who you are in Christ and to the gift that he is. And, and, and may we all respond like, like Joseph with faith and obedience and like the wise men with worship and awe. Not a one and done, but a whole life response. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.